to Life of Die, the podcast which discusses all things relating to role-playing games and tabletop gaming. Today we're continuing our series of talks about the alien role-playing game by Free League, this time focusing on campaign creation. I'm joined once again by Chris in this podcast, a GM who has created, I think, around about 40 sessions of homebrew adventures for our group. Is that right, Chris? Yes, getting up there now. Thanks for joining me again to give us some tips. No worries. So... Probably echoing what we, we said in the last podcast, just very quickly, when you're going to run a campaign, I think we both agree, well, I know we, we do because you asked us, you should probably ask your players what kind of campaign it is that they, they want you to run and what they're looking for from the game. Yeah. And in the Alien Rulebook, role there's three different kind of campaigns that you can run, is that right? Yeah, it gives you kind of three basic settings. Space Truckers being one of the main ones, basically following... Like same kind of theme and setting as the first film where you're you're a crew on board a ship doing a job and the campaign kind of plays off from there or colonial marines if you're wanting more of an action-based kind of setting to your campaign and colonists is the final one basically what it says in the tin you're a group of colonists and again it's up to your gm to flesh out the world for you and write adventures for you each week yeah so just taking those three categories before we actually get into the kind of nitty gritty of the actual campaign, how do you see those running? I mean, presumably like so the, the Colonial Marines one would be fairly mission of the week. Yeah, hundred percent. That would be the, the main kind of focus would be you'd you'd be set up for a an adventure. And I mean, it could be a mission you're given, for example, there's civil unrest on a colony world somewhere. Marines have been called in to get the situation back under control, and that could be something that brews over X amount of sessions, depending on how how you play it. So yeah, there's definitely that kind of feel to it, where you're you're given a task by your superiors and sent out. And I think that could be branched across to all of the settings, really. Even with our campaign that we ran, yous were yous opted for the space truckers yep. type scenario, and you've got a boss at the end of the day giving you your mission. In our particular campaign, you were a salvage crew, so all of the kind of tasks you were given were tailored towards finding and recovering uh, lost company assets or checking out if there was any any missing persons, things like that, if you would get your claim and, yeah, just taking as much information from the films and things you've seen, books you've read. Mm -hmm. And the colonists as well, presumably they would you would potentially have somebody that was maybe sending you out to explore sites or that kind of yeah, thing, is that what you're saying? Aye, 100%. That's, that's how I would do it anyways. It's always good to have a kind of authority figure in your campaign in the form of like an NPC who's going to be giving out those tasks. And it helps you kind of, as a GM, to write your scenarios based on those objectives. Each, I, I try to treat my campaign like a series of mini adventures, basically. Mm-hmm just like a longer version of a cinematic hopefully less bloody <laughs> <laughs> yeah and if you do have that mission of the week type of structure one thing i think that can be quite satisfying when you're running a campaign to give a bit more depth and a bit more sweet is to follow the example of what they tend to do in the doctor who series where they have each individual episode tends to be a, a separate story that's its own thing but on top of that they tend to have little seeds and little hints of a 
a larger storyline for the for the overall series, which pays off in the last couple of episodes, usually a two-parter. And I think that's a good way to deal with it, so that you, you do have that episodic feel, so that each week when you're running an adventure, the players feel satisfied that there's been a, an individual story told. But then, as I say, once it's built up towards this climax, then at the end they go, oh, right, that, yeah, that was something that happened back then. And you can get a really good reaction from players doing it that way as well. So while I don't always use that structure of mission of the week is something i think can work quite well as well yeah that's that's definitely something i've tried to do as well is there's a main theme kind of running through each adventure and things you just discover along the way of all kind of hark back to that kind of main theme if you want mm-hmm. i know with with our campaign it was it was more bob's kind of background that sparked it off for his character and that's that might lead us into the next section about how that will help yeah i mean before we even start planning the campaign i always think it's quite handy for players to put some time and thought into their backgrounds create obviously create the mechanical side of the characters you know yeah your portion your sides and your uh, sort of your skills and your attributes and you know all that kind of stuff and and the equipment yeah that's important to the players on a game level but it's not really the bit I always try and get from my players if I can, and it's not always possible because some players are more invested in this stuff than, than others, and some players find they discover their character as they go on, but it was something we t- talked about in the, I talked about with Craig in the, the, the cyberpunk creation that I really liked, the fact that the cyberpunk character creation had all these kind of life path things and these events that could happen to your your main characters before you, you know, you rolled up anything and it gave it gives you a background for your GM to delve into and, and exploit for things to bring up in the campaign and storyline threads to follow. I that helped massively for me with, with like I was saying with Bob's character, he, he'd come up with a, a kind of background that he's how he was a, a captain of a ship previously and they'd encountered alien life on board a ship and he lost his crew to it. But the company basically covered everything up and hit him with antidepressant drugs and all that sort of stuff and totally changed his character. And then that kind of element of it, I've brought in little snippets of the ship that took his crew and things like that. And that's kind of been the main story arc for our campaign for a while. Mm. No, I enjoyed that. and I liked that aspect. I mean, my character was quite abrasive and, and kept winding him up about he wasn't... <laughs> I think he did say things like that, didn't he? He wasn't mentally stable enough to, to be, you know, captain. Aye. Was winding him up a bit. <laughs> My character liked needling everybody in the crew, basically. He was one of those. Yeah, quite abrasive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, getting your players to, to write a... It doesn't need to be anything massive. Like, it could just be a little snippet of information like that that I got from Bob, and it just sparked the whole kind of roadmap of this campaign I've been working on for... Oh, about a year now <laughs> yeah maybe more so yeah it, it helps you get that initial kind of plant that seed in your head about what your story's going to be and, and how it's going to work out and it's important as well to players because it means that you when you delve into their backgrounds that, that you've got a chance to, to do something with it and, and it makes the experience feel you know the players are the, the protagonists of, of the campaign so they are the central characters so when you as a GM do something that's to do with their background, then they feel that they are. It makes them feel more like they are the central character and that, and that you've written this for them, which which you have. Obviously you have. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the point of a GM is, that you're to write an adventure for the players. Yeah. 
but it's certainly easier when players give you something to start off with, some interesting things in their background to delve into. And as you say, obviously it became a central strand of your campaign. Yeah, and even though it sparked from that one player's background, I managed to find ways to tie it all in to everyone else's and reasons why they were there, why they were doing what they were doing, their personal agendas and things like that. Because mm-hmm. that was that was one of your your personal agendas for that character was to do with that that ship basically for for Wayland Jutani to get information from Seekson on it. So it was yeah, there's you can take those elements and basically mould it to your situation. But yeah, it's, it works both ways. It's great for the GM and then in turn it's great for the players when that comes full circle. Yeah, because they feel more involved in the whole storyline and they're not just there going about killing people and getting money at the end of it, there's actually more of a, a reward to it because it's something that they've invested time in thinking about and they're seeing it develop throughout the game. No, definitely. And so once you've got them to give you a bit of information about themselves and, and obviously create their characters, then you're probably going to want to sit down and, and work out what the, the story is. As I say, you should probably have some overall arc to your campaign and you can then, you know, break it down into individual adventures and missions and so on within that, but always have that bigger picture in your mind, I think, would be a great starting point. And to make sure that you have a good story is always a key thing, I think, when you're going to sit down and write a campaign. Yeah, you, you definitely need a good foundation to your to your story. As you say, have a, an overall kind of arc in mind of where you want it to go. And uh, Yeah, and always be prepared to adapt if the player's decide that they're going to do something you know completely left field and try and run with it if you can obviously you probably want to, if you have that idea of an overall story there's ways that you can bring it back if the players decide they're going to go off exploring the other side of the universe then you can still find ways to bring them back into the action and bring it back on on track but you should never really make it feel like they're forced to do things because you had planned well I've, I've this ready to go you should always try and camouflage it so that it doesn't feel like it's been crowbarred in. Like, but yeah, try and allow them as much freedom as possible if they want to go and explore in the universe, let them do it and just find ways for that ship that was going to cause problems to come back into it, you know? Yeah. Or characters that know about it or whatever and uh, lead them back eventually, you know, but gently. <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't want to railroad people into, into their adventures and things that you've got planned. It's part of the skill, though, of being a GM. You need to be able to kind of coerce them sneakily <laughs> into doing what you want. Yeah. <laughs> Good manipulation role <laughs> is required. <laughs> so probably one of the, the main things I always do at the start of when I'm writing a campaign, no matter what, system it's for is I always like to give the characters a base of operations and it may be you know an outpost a spacecraft or even a space station which is what you did we had the space station and well in fact we had the space our own spacecraft but I always think it's good to have that base of operations because it means that the players always have a place where they feel you know safe and familiar with that familiarity, I always think, is good for bringing the players back because they always know that's there and those people that are in that setting are there until you turn it upside down, of course, which is <laughs> just happens now and again. Yeah. <laughs> Massively in, in our case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tend to try and keep that continuity as, as, as long as possible, but there's definitely good reason to do that. I, I don't know if you deliberately did it. I think it was more because of our actions. that It was, I uh, It was 100%. Yeah, and that that leads back to being prepared for the unexpected. <laughs> yeah, 
I suppose it'd be better to explain what we're talking about here. In the campaign, we had the space station. What was it called again? The space station? Newmont. Newmont, that's right. Newmont space station, which was our base of operations and where the company were based. And because of us, the whole space station got infected with the aliens, which we didn't intend for. No. But neither did you. And uh, <laughs> it was just one of these things that, that unfurled and it meant that everything went south on the space station and it was a total disaster. <laughs> which is which was a good thing because it we were at a stage in the campaign. I mean, I think we must have been at least a dozen, if not more, oh, yeah. sessions into it. More. So I always think that's a good thing because it, there's a sense of loss for the players as well that this was a, this was their stomping ground and suddenly it's been yeah, that was your home, yeah, yeah, turned upside down and and it's gone, you know. So at that stage, once you're you know twenty sessions into a campaign, I think it's totally justifiable to do something like that because that familiarity being safe when they're in that environment is then removed and then everything becomes dangerous again and it, and then they've got to find a new base of operations I suppose is the challenge for the players and for you as a GM. Certainly I took it quite seriously, I don't know if you remember this Chris, about the, the ship that we were on, the Red Wing. Mm-hmm. I was really, because I was a pilot, I was really keen as a player that I wanted to know all the nooks and crannies of it and, yeah. and then when you provided us with a map of it, I then sent you a load of images like showing you what those each section in the map looked like. Yeah. Most of it just stolen from the alien film. Aye, of course, yeah. <laughs> Aye, having that kind of base is a, a good way to go. And it works out as a place for you to start off each adventure, giving out your briefing and everything, places for them to shop, etc. So yeah, it's... It's like the science fiction equivalent of the tavern that everybody goes to in that <laughs> yeah. fantasy uh, setting. Yeah, everything always happens in the tavern, but in this case, you can have different types of characters. As when it's a space station or a you know an outpost or whatever, you know, a, a colony. Yeah, get various different characters and various different levels of power as well. So I always think that's interesting, and sometimes uh, you know a random NPC can end up being an important character. Is that not <laughs> right, Chris? Yeah, <laughs> rather unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was. A mechanic. Uh, I think it was just a random, wasn't it? It wasn't. I. It was just a. It was just a random. It was basically the like the harbour master who took care of loading up the ships that were coming and going or prepping them for flight and all that sort of stuff, topping up all the fluids. He was kind of the the guy who looked after the docks as such. Yeah, and then suddenly my character gave him some cheek. Yeah, a lot of cheek. <laughs> caused a bit of damage to the space station as well, I believe. <laughs> Well, I was I was a great pilot. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> it actually wasn't a fumble. I, I just put the accelerator on a bit too quickly. Yeah, a little bit too quickly. <laughs> it, it meant that this NPC and my character had a lot of run-ins from there on. There was a lot of tension between the two of them, but it, that was a really good fun thing to do because it gave you know I'm sure for you as a GM it might have been fun as well. Yeah, definitely a little bit of banter between a bit of tension as you say, but yeah, little things like that help help build the world around you and make it feel more believable. Yeah, that's that's good fun. I think I think there is a temptation for NPCs to all be on the character's side so that you keep things straightforward. But, I mean, this is one of the things we'll come into later on about the alien universe anyways. In general terms, everybody seems to have their own agendas. And, again, that is built into the system Yeah. with the, the cinematics where it, everybody seems to be working against everybody else. 
I don't think it needs to be ramped up to ten like it is in the cinematics. I think they're fun to play as, as one shots, but yeah, it definitely needs to be something more long term, like uh, like in the cinematics campaign uh, scenarios. Sorry, is um, it's more like a short term goal where you have to kill as many players as possible, or you have to grab X amount of research samples and get off the station or whatever. But for a campaign, it's definitely something more long-term, like find out what the company's hiding from you, or brings such and such to justice over something that's happened years ago. Mm-hmm. Just whatever. Yeah, something more more of a long-term goal. And those, those kind of goals help you, as we said at the start, they help you write your campaign and your story arc. Yeah, so the NPCs are I always think that base of operations. Certainly, with the when we change ships as well, I was quite upset about that as a as a player as well as a character because I, mm-hmm. the Red Wing was our home, as it were. It was our you know it was obviously our vehicle that was we were using for the salvage missions. But I was actually quite like gutted when we moved off of the Red Wing. Yeah, but that's a good thing. That's not a criticism. That's it's good that I cared about the game. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. It shows that you were invested in it. So yeah, it's good to have that something that's becomes quite personal to the players something become attached to and then destroy their dreams and take it away from them (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i I think the other thing i would say about npcs is to try to make the recurring characters distinctive and from each other yeah it's quite a hard thing to do i'm struggling with it in terms of judge dreadway accents because it's american accents i'm finding it hard yeah doing the different accents I think I, I I don't know how I was with Star Wars. I, I I feel like sometimes I was really good on that front, and sometimes I wasn't so good. I think it's a bit easier in Star Wars because you've got so many alien races, and they've they've each got their own kind of way of speaking and certain mannerisms and things that you can incorporate. But in the alien universe, you're dealing with humans, and yeah, there's only I find it's worse as well the longer the campaign goes on because you're trying to do something new each time. And for me, I always just default to my American Boston accent for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a tricky thing. It's a it's a great skill to have as a GM. Yeah, and I th- you know um, some GMs are better than others, and, and clearly I'm I'm finding that when it's when it's an American accent that I'm doing all the time because it's all set in that that universe and it makes it harder. Yeah. Whereas I, su- I suppose with Alien, you probably get a bit more because like the everybody that's on the ships. They're not all Americans. They can be British, they yeah. can be French or, you know, Italian, whatever you want. So I suppose you're more able to do a, a kind of bigger range of accents, I suppose. Yeah. And that, that's something else that can tie back to your setting. I know we, we said there's the three main themes of the space truckers, marines, colonists, but there's also the the governing kind of factions in Alien. And you've got the Three World Empire which is made up of Britain and Japan and things like that. So that can help you as well. Or you've got the the United is it the United Americas? I think you're right, aye. Something like that anyway. So yeah, you can use that to your advantage. If you're if you're confident doing a bunch of Russian accents, you could do it in the, the UPP <laughs> the Union of Progressive Peoples. Or if you're comfortable with doing dodgy American accents, then set it that you're working for that government and try and help tailor that towards what you're doing. <laughs> I suppose I find it easier to make the characters more distinctive than when they are actually all different nationalities because particularly when you're playing on the internet, it's, it's very, very difficult because I think, there's an, I think there's an element as well you can bring when you're in a face-to-face group where you're acting in front of 
of people. So you, you would have maybe different ways of expressing yourself. You might be you know use your hands more for a certain character. So that it's not just the the voice acting, but when you're when you're on the internet alone, then it does come down to your your voice acting. That it's so I take my hat off to MD that it can come up with a good variety of different voices because it's it's a it's a real skill to have, and uh, I wish I was a bit better at it. Aye, it's it's difficult. Uh, like the problem I get is it all always seems to come back to the one that um that I do most often, as I said, that dodgy American <laughs> Boston accent. No matter how hard I try to start off with something else, it always seems to morph into that halfway through speaking and stuff. So yeah, it's it is difficult to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's not something you need to do either, but no, you don't need to. De- it definitely helps, though. Give them a bit of a personality. And... Yeah, I mean, you can you can make your characters distinctive in other ways. I mean, you can have a, a car an NPC that's you know sympathetic towards the group, and then you can have ones that are like don't care and other ones that outright hate them. I always think it's quite a good thing as well to have essentially a rival team to the central players because um, that rivalry brings a bit of needle to the game between the players and, and, and that rival group who are always trying to outdo them. I've done it quite a few times in, in adventures, but I do think it gives the players something to kind of grab onto that they want to outdo that other group and they want to come out on top rather than the other group getting one up on them all the time and kind of belittling them. So I always think a rivalry is quite a good thing. Not, I don't mean like trying to kill them or anything. I just mean that. I just berating them every now and again and yeah, laughing at them when they fail. <laughs> yeah, and vice versa when the the shoes and other foot, the, the players enjoy lording it over them a bit. You know exactly. Yeah, I mean that that's something that would work well. I think in the kind of marine setting or a military setting where you've got rival squads and mm-hmm. things like that, where they would have that kind of rivalry and banter between one another no definitely so moving on from the npcs again this is very similar to what we said in the individual adventures but i think building the story slowly is a way to go that you can run fairly low-key adventures which are much more focused on the the role-playing elements in a sense of you know the team just struggling to get by in this uncaring universe and taking the time to set up all these when you were talking about the different factions that's a good thing to do in that those early stages build up all those different factions and entities or characters who are going to become really important later on in the campaign when it starts building towards the climax i know it's the way you approached it as well yeah a few kind of easier not easier but you know what i mean it wasn't like everything was yeah it wasn't all turned up to 11 if you know what i mean <laughs> totally yeah it's 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 trying to you have those series of kind of as you say low-key adventures but always try and hark it back to your your original storyline in some way or another mm-hmm. it doesn't always have to do it like the first the first couple of sessions we played there was a little snippet at the very end basically like a cliffhanger showing you this this ship that we spoke about on a computer screen on a an abandoned ship basically as we're trying to salvage and that was the the little key indicator harking back to the Bob's backstory and things like that. So yeah, it's definitely run it slow. And when it comes to bringing in creatures and things like that, the book is fairly limited in terms of things for you to encounter. The xenomorphs being like the main the main enemy in the book. So you need to try and use the environment a little more that you're working as as opposed to monsters like you would in Dungeons and Dragons or Star Wars, for example, mm-hmm. you don't have a main enemy to fight against. So I try to use the environment a lot more, having to go out in spacewalks and having to repair things in, in the vacuum of space and all that. And you have the tension of 
the air running out, things of that nature. So you're trying to have them battling the elements more rather than facing off a monster each week. Yeah, and fellow humans that are have got their competing agendas. That's always the it's always been a, a an aspect of the alien franchise in, in general terms, you know. Yeah. It's the humans are actually as much a threat as the as alien well, in a different in a different way. <laughs> you don't see them fucking each over each other over for a goddamn percentage. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, use that use that to your advantage. And I was going to suggest just you know, picking up on that strand that, you know, there's always conspiracies in the alien universe as well. Yeah. You know, it usually involves the, the machinations of the likes of Whelan Jutani mm-hmm. and their ilk. But I mean I think you can you can have all sorts of different levels of conspiracy that, you know, potentially just, like I said, about the rival groups. Yeah. We were space truckers. There'd be nothing stopping a rival group that maybe went, found themselves out of work and they decide they want to take your ship off you and hijack it. You could do things like that. Yeah. So there could be all sorts of different kind of scales of conspiracy. So I always think that's good to have little things in the locker that you can just suddenly turn on their head and suddenly... Yeah. Something you didn't see coming is, is, is coming at you. Yeah, you know? and that, that can be used. Having those kind of things in the bank as well is good for when your players do something unexpected and they're trying to take, say it's the other way about, they, they decide they don't want to do this job anymore and they're going to steal the ship. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have something in the back where you can grab it back and bring them back to where you want on your on your story. Mm-hmm. I always think that the players should always feel fairly insignificant as well because uh, you know one of the things that's always been strong in, in, in alien films is how small and, and you know fragile human life is. It's just you know you're just wee dots in the dark. Just a number, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. So I always think that's that's a good element to bring in as well and keep the the players <laughs> not getting too above their station as well. Yeah, and it's that's something that's quite difficult to do later on as well I've found personally is trying to keep them down to earth because when you start levelling up through gaining experience and things like that you do become a little bit stronger and harder to face so yeah it's trying to bring something that will knock them down a peg or two every now and again Well letting the alien loose I suppose would be the answer to that (laughs) Yeah there's not much can defeat that (laughs) Yeah speaking of the alien obviously it is going to be an important element of the games yeah. but i think having played your games one of the things that i was pleased about with the game was that the, the alien didn't feature too much yeah i think you've really got to be sparing with the alien because it, if we were facing it every week or every other week it loses its impact and it loses yeah. the respect that we gave it as players and sometimes we didn't give it enough respect as players and you know one or two of us paid the price for that so yeah i mean i think i think that's definitely the way you ran that is definitely the way you should do it. And and so your your campaign probably should involve some storyline that's to do with the alien or, or is about them in some way. Yeah. But not that they it should never feel routine that you're meeting the uh, alien. hundred yeah, percent. I mean it's it's a difficult thing as well to do is to try and get your players not thinking about it all the time. I found that was difficult at the start. It felt like you were constantly anticipating it happening. <laughs> and trying to keep your players off that scent is, is quite hard to do, I found. Yeah, oh, that's true, because it is part of the game you are expecting yeah. to. I didn't feel particularly that I was thinking that way about it. Yeah. I, I didn't really expect to see it for a long a long time. Yeah. But yeah, I know other, I know other players might have been yeah. maybe in their mind. <laughs> right. And 
trying one thing I found that helped that was trying to get everyone to stay in character while we were playing, and that's something else that's that definitely helped me is just have them if they're wanting a break, take a break. They can have a laugh and a joke about everything and have a talk through things, and then you go back to playing and you're in that world and that's it and anything you say is what's happening in the game mm. i found that helped massively because their characters don't know about aliens they don't know about corporate backstabbing and all that so they're they're trying to live in that moment so i found that helped kind of take take the heat off it as such and speaking of the alien and how you said that there are a couple other creatures that are in the book but there's not really much in that front yeah I'm not aware that you would did it if you did, but how would you feel about creating your own homebrew creatures for the... Um, I, I did do it to a certain extent. I've done it with some of the androids that he's faced, see the working Joes. Right. Um, there's no stats in the book for them. So I basically, I've made up my own... Like basically the creatures in the book have got like a table for attacks. So you you roll a d6 and whatever your result is, that's what they, they try to do to your player. So I kind of... I based it off what I'd seen in the video game, Alien Isolation, because they feature quite heavily in that and the kind of attacks that they do to you. I hated those characters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they're really sinister things. So yeah, I kind of based, I'd made up my own rules for them basically and tested it on you to see how lethal they would be. I wasn't sure how it would play out because you'd never faced anything up to that point and it was that kind of level. Yeah, no, it was a that was an adventure where we were pretty terrified <laughs> because these android things were running about the place and were trying to wipe us out. I think it was something just when you you'd been talking as well about the players not sticking to planning. We talked about that in the last podcast and doing things that you don't expect. Yeah, in actual fact, we were so terrified of the Joes that we ended up negating a big chunk of your adventure because we just went, no, let's not mess about here. Let's just get to the... <laughs> yeah. It was a station where they were out of control and we, we we just went straight for the top of the station to get the whole thing shut down as quickly as possible. Aye. Because we were so terrified of it. I mean, I'd, I'd created maps and floor plans for every level of the station. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you had started at the bottom at the docks, basically. I was expecting you to work your way up slowly, but no, you just bypassed everything I'd created and went straight to the top. And yeah, it just harks back to what you're saying. You can't plan. You can't corral your players into doing everything you want. So make sure you're prepared. I had an online discussion. Somebody was saying, isn't that a terrible thing? Why put all that effort in? Because if your players don't go through that stuff, it's absolutely galling to use a GM. And I said, well, yeah, you don't want it. To, you want to make, do it the way you want. You intended them to do it, but... If they found a better way to, to negate a lot of trouble, then, you know, all power to them. And it doesn't mean it's necessarily wasted work anyway, because you can always use those maps again. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I repurposed the maps for other other adventures. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's always good to have like stuff like that in the bank. I mean, I, I always created my own maps and stuff like that for this. So, And I knew there was a chance that some of them would never get used and things, but always found a way to bring them in when I needed them. Mm. So yeah, it's not it's not wasted work. It's not it's not galling. It's quite exciting to see people outsmarting you. <laughs> yeah, I always think that's a, a good thing. I always think that's a good thing as a GM if the, the players come up and they quite often do, to be honest. They, yeah. Quite often the players will do something I didn't expect in a positive way. 
Sometimes they do things I didn't expect in a really bad way, but more often than not, it's usually a good way, and it's usually something that's like, "All right, I never thought of that. That's really good." I and yeah. you just you just roll with it and and let it let it play out, which is a which is a good um, thing. And one thing to remember is if you if you've got a table of people, you've got five minds working against one, so they're going to come up with things that you didn't think of just through kind of brainstorming with each other and things like that. So, yeah, just try and have something something in the bank for you to use in those situations. And I always think as well, players get a lot more out of it if you do roll with them as a as a GM because yeah. they feel that they influence the, the, the game and, and they should be allowed to do so because that's that's the whole point of role-playing. It's the, the players should yeah. be, they are the central characters. They should be able to change the outcomes of the, the scenarios and... And obviously, like we were talking about earlier on, you never intended for the for our home base to be completely destroyed. <laughs> and while we didn't either, it was because of our actions. So our actions did shape what happened. This major catastrophe at the centre that happened yeah. towards one of the end of the blocks of the campaign. Yeah, and it was it was a major one. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's a great thing because it meant we as characters had an impact on the overall campaign story as well you know that wasn't foreseen by you so we know that our actions in the game do count rather than it being something you know you can you can micromanage too much as a gm where well it has to do this and then it has to go there and it has to do that and and so on if you're if you're too dogmatic about it it's not going to be fun for your players yeah it's not enjoyable when it's like that i mean i did treat our campaign is more of a sandbox where things that you've done kind of impacted on the next session or the next adventure obviously like we say, you always have that story arc in the main kind of protagonist as such that you want to keep constant and kind of try and tie everything back to. But your players basically shape the universe you're, you've put them in. And as you say, if they see their actions having consequences on the game, it's a much more rewarding experience, I think. I'd agree with you. One of the other things I was going to mention was about the environments, because as I was saying earlier, was it earlier on or was it in the previous podcast? I'd mentioned about the setting being fairly claustrophobic and that, you know, the original alien is all on, on board in Nostromo, pretty much most of it is. And then in aliens, it's all in the colony, just about. So there's not a lot of, you don't really see a lot of the alien universe and, and what you tend to see is, you know, fairly barren landscapes that are quite often quite smoky sometimes. And yeah, yeah you don't see really much of the flora and fauna and i think that's one of the stronger points of the more recent you know the, the ridley scott uh, prometheus and alien covenant that they had more to me more unique alien environments yeah there's a lot more open world kind of feel to it and the inhabitants of those worlds and creatures and things like that yeah so from a environment's point of view obviously you're going to have a lot of space stations you're going to have a lot of spaceships and so on yeah but What's your feeling about the? Do you try and mix up the environments? Yeah, I tried my best. Although a lot of a lot of the scenarios took aboard, as you say, a place on board space stations and on ships. There were a few occasions where I did have these touching down in colonies, also investigating crash sites and things like that. And yeah, trying to try and incorporate as as much of that as possible. Try and get them like visiting different locations and help keeping it fresh, so you're not constantly in the same situation and you know what to expect all the time yeah i mean would you consider having like jungle environments you know things that are much more earth have an earth, more earth feel about them if that makes sense and then yeah instead of being barren yeah no definitely although the ones the ones that i did have these encounter take place on were quite barren wastelands most of them 
But yeah, it's, it's something I've definitely thought about for future sessions. I've got harking back again to the what we were talking about, gathering imagery and things like that in the, the previous podcast. Having a look at concept art for alien planets and things like that, it just it sparks things in your imagination and just shows things that you can have a look like bring into your games. So yeah, there's there are some some other plans I've got for that. So yeah, it's definitely something to think about. Yeah, definitely. Those uh, images of different alien environments will definitely keep things fresh with the players. So I can totally see the value in that. And yeah, just doing some Googling. Yeah, I've, I've got a habit of doing it for all, all sorts of games. I go and Google images and put in different things and try and find different images for different games. So I suppose that, yeah, that wraps up the environments thing. So Pacing is another thing that's important in a campaign that you we did kind of cover it slightly earlier when we said about building the story slowly, but mm. also think once things begin to kick off, then you can really ratchet up the action and send them to hell. <laughs> <laughs> yep, as I, I managed to do. I believe I killed three characters in one night. <laughs> yeah, not deliberately, of course, but not deliberately, yeah. But the alien was running amok, that was for sure, and we were all worried we were all going to die in that night. I wouldn't say you should go out your way to kill the characters. That's not what a GM's job is. I was going to say, you definitely don't want to like stand in the way of them. If they do something silly that gets them killed, you don't want to, to kind of protect them too much. You don't want to fudge the roles, is what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Like I set that out when I started the campaign. I told you, if you die, you die, that's it. You need to come up with new characters. And some of you took that on board and some of you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when I lost a character, I, I genuinely didn't quite realise. I knew that the alien was powerful. I think it was a game mechanic aspect that was mine because I didn't realise that they could act twice in a round, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. everybody just gets, you get to do your actions and, and then that's it. But I had thought I would be able to attract alien to save my friends and close the door before it arrived. But I didn't realise that from a mechanics point of view, just how deadly it was. I didn't deliberately have my character killed off. Definitely not. No. Because I did think I was going to do that. But at the same time, it was a good, it was a cool death for my, my character. And, and he got his comeuppance because he was a bit of a, <laughs> you know, a bad and was up to no good behind the rest of the crew's backs so yeah. although I was sad that he, I lost him because I enjoyed doing the character I thought it was a fitting end for him so it wasn't yeah I think if you go out to the alien it's pretty good and I was the first one to die to the alien so that that was a badge of honor for me <laughs> I was just quite I was quite pleased with that yeah in terms of the combat obviously it's traditionally person be person or person be alien more, more often than not really in the universe but i think it'd be interesting to switch up different types of you know use some of the technologies that are available for some action set pieces i remember when we were used i don't recall those things that the kind of buggy things that they've got in aliens that newt's family drive out in. oh yeah the, the tractors yeah the tractors yeah i remember we were trying to drive away from some beast or something well not we i was on the ship quite safe <laughs> <laughs> following orders I may add not, yeah, it yeah. wasn't my intention to, to set that one out it was, I was told by the captain have the, ready, the ship ready to go so I just I enjoyed some some uh, music while they all <laughs> were, uh, one of them was killed and, and the other ones were struggling to get out so yeah I enjoyed that vehicle chase obviously as an, uh, an observer but yeah yeah. would you do other things obviously power loaders are a, a good example of an alien yeah definitely it's good to have things in that environment that the, the players can use to their advantage 100% I know there was on that kind of penultimate adventure or scenario that you were in when the station kind of all went to hell there was times when you were 
using the intercoms and things like that to distract the alien and move it away from your position and closing and opening doors and things from the computer systems so yeah it's, it's good to have these sort of things in place and again it's up to the players to use their environment to their advantage and yeah it's something you've done and what about something like a space battle would you consider that nailing or does that seem too star wars is that like a step too far no it's definitely something i've considered for future it's just something we've never got around to doing it didn't really make sense for our situation as you were a, a salvage crew i mean i did have he's come up against some larger military ships and things like that with weapons that you didn't have so you were kind of forcing your hand as such but yeah, we surrendered because we knew we were outgunned. Aye, so now you're user on board a military vessel, so things, something like a space battle going forward might be happening. So, And the rules are there for it. It tells you how to work it out and things like that. So it's all in the book for you. So it's definitely something to think about. But again, it's very situational and down to what, what your campaign's doing. And I guess another problem with the alien creature and it's actually a problem for the franchise in general. I'm just curious to know what you, you think of this. Is it obviously I mean, Ridley Scott's talked about it himself where he, he said that the alien is now the problem in the in the alien franchise because people are so used to seeing that they're not frightened by it anymore. I mean, do you think that's a problem in the game itself? Yeah. Once once it made an appearance I found it difficult to think about where to go from here. What do you do now in the alien RPG? <laughs> I mean, it's it's the title of the thing. But again, there's so much stuff in the book. You just need to take a step back and say, right, they've done that. They've closed it off. And look at their situation. Who survived? What are they going to do now? What are their options? Have your players kind of discuss what they're going to do now? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of the situation you were put in. He's escaped. There was a few of these left alive and these were all kind of left wondering where the hell do we go now? And I gave you what's around about your ship and how far, how much fuel you've got left to go where you're and I left that kind of open to you and gave you a couple of options. Yeah, we ran. <laughs> <laughs> Bring, try and bring your players back into it and again goes back to that kind of sandbox and them having a, an impact on what happens in the world around them. And how do you feel about things like, uh, stealing from another franchise, crossing the streams uh, from Ghostbusters? Because the Alien franchise obviously has direct links to, to both Blade Runner and Predator but through the Aliens vs Predator um, film mm-hmm. and Blade Runner because of the the androids are an advanced version of the replicants is that is that right yeah kind of there are a lot of links in Blade Runner to Alien as you say there's talk about a colony of worlds basically that was all replicants that were on board like living there and things like that but it doesn't the booker doesn't really go into too much detail about that so I think it's kind of a lot of it's left up to you and what you want to include I mean, if you want to bring elements in from Blade Runner, go for it. I mean, it fits the bill. It's the same kind of genre. Corporate backstabbing androids killing folk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so bring it in. And Predator. For me, I wouldn't include the Predator in it. I was never a massive fan of the AVP kind of universe or films as such. So I didn't didn't feel they had the same feel as Alien did. It just seemed a wee bit too too cartoony and action-based for my liking. I think another problem with the Predator would be the the technology at its disposal. That if you encountered a Predator as a team, you probably wouldn't really have any chance whatsoever of surviving it. And if you did manage to kill it together without taking 
significant losses and the Predator wouldn't have the same no. threat anymore. It wouldn't it'd be kind of what was the point of it, you know, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but, you know, something like Starship Troopers, because I, I could see that working. A large-scale battle, yeah. Yeah, when I, I remember when I, I went to see Starship Troopers in the cinema, being kind of struck by how similar to the Colonial Marines that the yeah the troopers were and the, the aliens were you know it had that same kind of nastiness to it as well and kind of gore and yeah it's not got the same it's horror in a different way but it doesn't have that same it was a bit more uh, i suppose neon and kind of day glow <laughs> you know, a kind of nicer <laughs> universe i suppose than the alien but i mean I, I think you could totally have a i don't mean with the alien themselves but some other creatures like that like the bug type things where you could incorporate that and have a large-scale battle yeah i mean if, i think again that comes back to what kind of setting are your players in if you're colonial marines yeah go for it have a large-scale war on the go between players and their crewmates or their comrades basically fighting against swathes of enemies and things like that yeah you could go for it there's also other films as well if you're wanting a more horror-based claustrophobic there's a thing as well, elements of that that you could bring into your game. Which feels like our current society at the moment. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I took some inspiration from kind of zombie apocalypse in the, the last adventures we had before we broke up for a break. I brought in a kind of virus on board the station that was basically taking control of people and yeah, there's, there's, there's loads of other films out there that you could take inspiration from. One that I really liked was Outland. Yeah, with Sean Connery. Yeah, I liked that. It was, uh, it was like High Noon in Space. Yeah. Yeah, I always enjoyed that film. Yeah, it was a wee bit slow in places, but I always thought it was a good... I always enjoyed that film. It looks like it could fit right into the, the whole alien universe. It looks like a colony on some shitty mine somewhere. <laughs> on a rock yeah. floating about in space. And all the corporate kind of crap going on in the background. Yeah, it's, it's just... It's like it's been plucked from the Alien franchise and, and put in. So, yeah. Until Recall, when they're on Mars, the Mars colony is a bit like that. And it, it does have that thing of, you know, Cohagen's in charge. He's a bit like a multinational company and, and embodied by one person. Yeah. And, and he's he's out to not have free air and things like that. So I can imagine something like that would fit quite well with the, the Alien universe as well. Totally, yeah. And I mean, it, it doesn't need to all be a claustrophobic kind of horror setting. I mean, one thing the films never show you is what what Earth's like and some of the the kind of core planets that would be, I imagine, quite advanced, like you see in Blade Runner and things like that. So that's something else you could think about. Use your imagination and let it go wild. Yeah, I think that's a good way to sum up what you should do with a campaign. Use your imagination, you know, throw in as many elements as you can to keep things, you know, switching up the threats, switching up the, the encounters. Try and get that pacing right as well. Just build it slowly and, and then you can eventually go epic with it if that's where you want to take it. Yeah. Yeah, Avatar would be another one I'm thinking of. That Again, that's James Cameron. So to me, Avatar had a lot of things that were reminiscent of Aliens as well. Yeah. If you're having fun as a GM writing it, I always think that's half the battle because if you're writing something that you find enjoyable personally, you're going to bring that enthusiasm and excitement to the table every week and people are going to keep wanting to come back. And that's job done if they do want to keep coming back because players will not stick with you if they're not enjoying it. And if you're So if you're delivering and they keep coming back, then you know that you're doing something right, definitely. 
Yeah, 100%. And don't be scared to take a wee break from your campaign. It is difficult to constantly write something for them every week. Like, Mm -hmm. they'll understand you can take a week off (laughs) and get things sorted because it shows when you're when you're burning out ideas and things don't start to make sense or they're not as exciting as you want them to be and yeah you do burn out a little bit but that's maybe something for another podcast <laughs> yeah no, definitely so i mean i think we've covered as many things as we possibly can for the alien campaign but i'm sure there's many other things that we haven't considered about so as it stands this is the the last of our alien podcasts from the now but if you want to hear more then please tell us what you would like to hear. We have talked potentially about maybe recording a session. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Even if it's one of the campaign sessions for myself, or we could play through a cinematic or something, if you would like. But yeah, just get in touch with the as in social media or whatever platform we're using. Exactly. And also, you know, if there's anything, aspects that you think we missed and, and you think we should consider and talk about for a future one, just because we've, we've said this is the end of the what we've come up with so far for Alien doesn't mean that we're not open to listening to the community and, and delivering more because we really love the Alien game and we want to talk more about it. <laughs> yeah. So we just think we've had some, a lot of the basis. So we've, we've talked about the, the character creation and the, the, the basics of the rules and the, the universe from a player's point of view. And we've done these two GMs ones, but that doesn't mean we're closed off to the possibility of more. So please, yeah, do comment and and tell us what you're looking for and we'll try and deliver more if that's what you would like to hear and thanks everybody for the support that you've shown on on social media and please share and subscribe and follow and leave reviews in apple itunes that's all these things are a great help to us and help us get the the podcast out to more a a wider audience and we're still in the early days as as it is so all that support is greatly appreciated and we really welcome it and I hope we keep delivering podcasts which are of interest to the community and and at that I'll I'll leave it at that (laughs) (laughs) okay so thanks again Chris for joining us no problem cheers so until next time keep on living the life of die